What up, AOTA family? Welcome to Passing Period and All the Above Podcast Extra. We, of course, like to drop these in between our full episodes, our full episodes, as you know, our video format, super dope guests, whole lot of headlines, whole lot of time to edit those down and get those out there. So in between those full episodes, we drop these AOTA passing periods, just like a real passing period on campus, little time to check in with our fellow colleagues and AOTA family and discuss things that maybe didn't make it into our last or most recent full episode. My name is Manuel Rustin, your favorite teacher's favorite teacher. I'm here with Jeff. Jeff, man, it's mid-December, mid-December, and I think some people are listening to this who are on-campus classroom teachers and their winter break just started. Mine has not, but a lot of educators out there have started their winter breaks. Um, Jeff, are you, are, are you ready? Are you ready for a break? I am deeply ready uh, for a break, Manuel. Deeply ready. <laughs> Profoundly ready. Uh, yes, uh, this time of year is always a, uh, it's an interesting break psychology for me because uh, yesterday, Friday the 16th, was the final day of the fall semester for the Los Angeles Unified School District. So shout out to all my LAUSD mm. uh, educators of all sorts, uh, staff, school staff of all sorts. For making it nice. through, so nice, so nice, and uh, feeling very privileged that we're not one of those um, other Southern California districts that still has school next week. Yep, that, that shall go unnamed in this conversation. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but also our second biggest event of the year, uh, like a major mid-year conference for all the instructional leadership teams across our our network of schools. Uh, that I that I oversee is happening right after we get back uh, January fifth. So I am. It is like both break time and crunch time. So it's kind of intense right now. Um, I am going back to Minnesota, and I will be working remotely for Monday and Tuesday, and then I'm taking off uh, for like a week, almost a week and a half. Um, so uh, so that would be great. I'm gonna get some real winter. It snowed like a foot. Uh, in Minnesota yesterday, uh, or over the last couple of days, yeah. Manuel. So real, real winter is about to be had, uh, and you know, it's a white Christmas the way it, sh- it should be. You know, snow on the trees, reindeer and stuff. Very patriotic, Jeff. Very no, patriotic. Not not that kind of white. I mean, literal <laughs> snow white. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I always feel a little tingle in the back of my spine when I when I say that phrase or hear that song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. No, nah, man, it's been, shoot, man, it's been freezing over here. It's been like low 50s Yeah, this across is the, Southern California those last week. Yeah, just this, this freezing is the second temperatures. time I'm going to say this in, uh, in the last 24 hours, not to you, but in general. Um, it is quite literally not freezing here. <laughs> Here in LA, it's freezing you, out there, Jeff. As you said, it is fifty degrees. Uh, we're going to review the freezing temperature of water uh, in, in in the Fahrenheit scale for all our science teacher audience members out there. But uh, it is brisk here in Los Angeles. This is true. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. All right, so I got a couple days of school left. Whatever. I'm cool with it. Then it'll be break after that. Shout out to everybody out there who has started their winter break. For those of you who are on like school schedules, of course, a lot of folks who listen to our show or watch our show um, 
don't work in a classroom capacity and maybe your work schedule is you know structured differently and maybe you don't have a winter break at all. Shout out to you too though. All right, folks, we have a story for today to discuss. And Jeff, part of me is like, is this even worth talking about? Because, you know, we all know crooked media, um, you know, the media out there, you know, super biased, fake news, all that stuff. And, you know, maybe we just got to do away with the media, do away with journalists like our uh, brave, patriotic, billionaire compatriot Elon Musk has done this week. And, um, you know, just like get past that whole thing. But you wanted to talk about this like media literacy thing happening in schools. So I guess we'll go ahead and do that. So we have a story coming out of New Jersey. What is that? The Garden State, right? Yeah. Why do they call it the Garden State? Because you happen to know why they call it? Because it's full of lush, beautiful gardens. Okay. Oh, Wonderful. There we have it. <laughs> as well as toxic industrial <laughs> wasteland. Uh, New Jersey is a fascinating state, I will say. Uh, it is, people think of New Jersey as like, you know, gritty, you know, Newark, Brick City, uh, you know, port, polluted, whatever. But, you know, you got the shore. It is kind of a suburban wasteland to an extent, both on the New York and the Philly side. Uh, but in the middle, there are some like rural type of areas of New Jersey with farms and like it's it's kind of pretty, I will say. Okay. Yeah. Shout out to any of our New Jersey listeners. Um, my, my sister lives in New Jersey. Anyways, Jeff, what we got? What, what happened in New Jersey this week or uh, recently with regards to education? Yeah, I probably should correct the record there too, Manuel, and, and say uh, personally, as a person who does not uh, have deep appreciation for suburbia, uh, that, that, that was my personal reflection on suburban wastelands across America. That was, that was not an <laughs> intentional diss on New Jersey. Those, such wastelands exist in every state, I will say. Um, okay, so uh, don't, don't get at me, uh, Jerseyites or Jerseyans or what, mm. whatever you're called. Okay, uh, so this story uh, comes to us out of the Heckinger Report. Shout out to the Heckinger Report and uh, Javeria Salman. Hope I'm pronouncing that individual's name correctly. Shout out to you um, for writing this piece called One State is Poised to Teach Media Literacy Starting in Kindergarten. Um, and this I think really stood out to us because it's a topic, media literacy and the uh, the formal introduction of media literacy into curriculum uh, came up several months back. I, I wish I could remember offhand, but we touched on um, a, a story about the kind of uh, growing, slowly growing movement or expansion of uh, the teaching of media literacy as part of state standards or state education requirements. Um, in a number of states across the country. So I believe the number is up to 14 now. And New Jersey uh, is making news here because their introduction of these standards is going K-12. There are other states that have different approaches or maybe start introducing these standards in like middle school and high school, which if you think about it on a certain level, of course, makes lots of sense, right? Because that's typically the age groups where kids start getting into, you know, they have their own digital devices. They're encountering a much broader set of media sources. 
than typically your, you know, your average elementary school kid would. So, you know, not necessarily a knock on those states per se, but an interesting development that New Jersey is the, the first out the gate to tackle this K-12. Um, so um, what's interesting about this, among many things, is um, it's sort of like what we mean by media literacy and then the, the inherently treacherous political waters into which this, uh, this topic wades, right? So media literacy, for the sake of some uh, common, you know, common definition here, is often defined as the ability to process, analyze, evaluate, create, and communicate information or media. Um, and experts say that many Americans, young and old, lack the skills required to critically analyze information in our modern digital world. Um, now, there is uh, an organization um, that, uh, or, or excuse me, yes, the Illinois Media Literacy Coalition, um, which I think Illinois is kind of widely understood to be a national leader on this front, um, has produced a framework which uh, other states are you know, considering in their adoption work. And they talk about the purposes of teaching media literacy as uh, kind of settling on four areas. One is around freedom, it affording learners the freedom to choose media message, messages by applying an informed inquiry built on facts and reason. Um, two, having to do with, uh, with civics, it creates socially responsible citizens by identifying impacts of the media environment on society and individuals. Three, having to do with well-being, promoting digital well-being by developing media habits that support individuals' needs and building agency for engaging with media technology. And lastly, self-efficacy. Uh, so building skills for college and career readiness by demonstrating adaptive skills for future jobs and self-development. That's a lot of jargon in that one there. But um, nonetheless, I mean, you know, you hear this, Manuel, and you think, well, that, I mean, sounds great. Who's against freedom and well-being and civics and self-efficacy, right? I mean, like, what, what kind of douchebag hates yeah. those things, okay? Um, and... Uh, and yet, as we know from the discussion of many other aspects of education, things like history, science, ethnic studies, literature, all the places where what you mean by freedom and what I mean by freedom can come into conflict with one another. What I mean by freedom is like the ability to, you know, think critically about systems around us and how we experience the world and to self-actualize. And what you mean by freedom is, you know, don't be gay uh, or <laughs> let me pray to Jesus in, in class and let's not teach evolution, let's teach creationism and, you know, these sorts of things, right? And so, you know, I am both excited by this and also when I, when I look at the, the map um, the, there's, there's an organization, um, that put out, it's called Media Literacy Now. They put out a 2020 report, U.S. Media Literacy Policy Report. There's 14 states across the country that have laws on the books about teaching media literacy. One of them is Florida. And I'm like, 
what kind of nonsense is Ron DeSantis' people in Florida teaching about media literacy? They're like, Fox News is good and all other news is fake news. <laughs> like, like right. Except for OAN, which is also good news, unless they disagree with Fox News, in which case you're on your own. Like, I, you know, it, the devil may be in the details here in terms of the righteousness of what actually gets taught. So, I, you know, that's my kind of initial... Soup of reactions, Manuel. What what say you? Yeah, I was kind of surprised when the article mentioned a few times that this was this bill in New Jersey um, is bipartisan, and it kind of seemed to emphasize that quite a few times because you know is this really a a bipartisan issue? This idea of media literacy, to your point, um, can't even get folks to agree on what freedom means, and. You know, here we are talking about this being bipartisan, and, and here we have a media literacy in Florida, I guess, which you know, clearly, clearly we have some issues there. So, so yeah, you know, that comes to mind in terms of like, is this really a, a bipartisan, nonpartisan issue, or is it written up in such a way as to appear nonpartisan? However, when you you know dig into the details, which you know we haven't been able to dig into the details yet, then you see maybe um, there's some problems there. But generally speaking. I think it's obvious that we need to, as a society, really like hone in and have conversations about our um, the way we we digest media. And you know, if we want to call it media literacy, we could call it that. But just like we need to have conversations about all the ways in which we are, in which people are being tricked, hustled, um, being delivered information that's outright false, that's that's meant to get them to take a certain action that might not be in their best interest. Like we have to have these conversations because it has gotten extremely, extraordinarily out of hand. And I question whether or not literacy, media literacy is, is enough at this point to really contend with the true issue, which is that this, this misinformation, this disinformation is really like destroying us in so many different ways. And it's, it's evolving so quickly that I don't know what kind of tools, what kind of standards, what kind of lessons would really be enough to keep pace. So I say that as somebody who has, you know, taught media literacy lessons a lot. This article um, mentioned the Stanford History Education Group, better known as SHEG for us um, social science teachers. And they have a civic online reasoning um, component of their website with a ton of lessons and units on media literacy and, and basic skills. And it's, it's valuable stuff. And, you know, from, from my use of it, I, you know, I could say that it's been valuable to me and my students, but it's still not able to keep pace with the stuff we're seeing, man. Like I was, you know, scrolling through, through Twitter this morning and, you know, I don't know if you saw this, Jeff, there was a, a video that went viral of, looks like, it's like a, a split shot on the top is Morgan Freeman. And on the bottom is some white guy with earbuds. And as the white guy speaks, the Morgan Freeman above him is like, speaking the same words but in morgan freeman's voice and the video is morgan freeman and it basically looks like the guy on the bottom is controlling the image of morgan freeman mm. um on the top mm. yeah so it's deep, it's deep one of those fakes, deep fakes man <laughs> one of those deep fake situations but it's like it seems to be even a, even better like even a step beyond the regular deep fake and here's a guy like able to uh look what looks like a guy able to just control you know what what Morgan Freeman is saying, just like in lifetime, or what you know looks like that, 
And then in the comments, there's some folks saying like, actually, like the guy, uh, the the white guy himself might be the deep fake. And you're just assuming that that's the real person. And in any case, I say that all to say, um, this technology is advancing so quickly that like, it's, it's, it is so difficult in lifetime to assess whether or not what you're looking at is real, whether or not you're looking at is credible in order to dig into it. It takes a, a level of patience, a level of time, a level of ingenuity that I think the average person just isn't going to invest in in it. So I love the idea of schools really focusing on media literacy and having these standards and all that. I hope people look at it as one part, one part of the you know so-called solution to all this misinformation and disinformation that we're being um, being sent because literacy alone will not solve this problem that we're facing here. And I also liken it to uh, financial literacy. I saw somebody post about, and you know, I, I don't remember who posted, so I can't credit them, but it's a sentiment that has been shared many times um, across the years, this idea that financial literacy, when teaching it to folks living in poverty, it just doesn't feel right because it's like, the poverty isn't because you don't know how to, you know, build credit. It's, the poverty is not because um, you don't know the difference between, you know, a CD and some other savings account. Like the poverty is because of these really big systemic issues and teaching financial literacy isn't going to solve the fact that a person is broke because of the capitalist system that they're living in. Like it's not going to be enough. You can't literacy your way out of economic inequality that that we have in our nation. So, you know, we're not going to be able to literacy our way out of just how vicious this um, technology has become with regards to fooling us in, in the information that we're seeing and perceiving. So that's my initial thought. Like, I love this, but I just hope folks aren't looking at this as like, yeah, this is this is going to do it. Like, you know, within a generation, we're going to have this under control because we are not. Yeah, uh, you're making me think of several things there. First of all, uh, definitely the poverty comes because people are lazy and the system works. And if it's not working for you, it's your fault. All those so, Jordans, spending money on Jordans. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Stop buying your latte at Starbucks and then you can buy a Bugatti instead. Okay? So, uh, second of all, you're... <laughs> You're making me think of, I think, my all-time favorite viral video on the internet, Manuel, which is, it probably has, like, uh -huh. a name out there. I just don't know. But it's, like, this young child, this young appears to me to be a black child, uh, who's re uh, reading a math problem about. and is like, Jalen has $5, and, like, he loses $3. How much money does Jalen have? And he, he's like, Jalen broke. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, first of all, it's hilarious just on principle because the kid is <laughs> is fantastic. Second of all, I'm like, I wish I could be grading a test and get that answer. I'd be like, check plus for you, <laughs> youngin. Uh, that is what Goldie Muhammad would call criticality, uh, right, right there yeah. in that conversation. Um, so, anyways, just a moment of levity here, uh, but. I, I do want to ask your your opinion about something here, Manuel, because as as someone with uh, with lots of expertise in, uh, in on not only the instructional side but some but the policy side in terms of your work around ethnic studies here in the state of California, which you know of course caught the ire of the right wing and Fox News and all that kind of stuff, um, and experienced the sort of like 
co-opting of language and the, you know, like, oh, white parents for ethical ethnic studies or whatever these crazy, you know, racist groups started calling themselves. Uh, the idea of media literacy at the kindergarten level, I think, is, you know, especially in those early elementary levels, like that's where we, we often get the like hyper nutty right wing. Oh, they're indoctrinating my child. They're trying to make my yeah. child trans or they're trying to make my child hate white people, you know, type of. Now they're forcing them to watch CNN, Jeff. They're forcing my kid to yeah, watch CNN, fake news media. <laughs> exactly. So like. So this feels like a the uh, uh, an area in our profession where like the potential to do good is extremely high, and the potential for nutty right wing behavior is also extremely high because of that. So I'm wondering if like from your vantage point, having gone through what you went through around the ethnic studies conversation, are there are there like lessons learned? Are there things you would predict and expect might, you know, we might see down the road here? Like what's with that experience that you have in mind, like what what do you see happening in this situation? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think generally speaking, the media literacy that will be like the safe kind of literacy that is palatable to everybody will just be the basics about like, you know, look into where you're getting your information and and see what you could do to figure out who's behind it and, and, and things of that nature. But going any deeper than that, asking more critical questions, such as like, why is this entity trying to uh, convince you of this like what you know like like really crit critiquing the ways that that media upholds things such as white supremacy or, or media um, upholds um, beliefs about capitalism and and um, it being great for everybody who works on it like taking it to that level yeah forget that forget that so I could see you know a teacher maybe showing you know maybe trying to do their thing to to teach media literacy and maybe showing um, a version of a story as told by CNN in a version of the story as told by Newsmax and having some kind of, you know, a basic lesson plan around that about the difference in language, difference in tone, difference in the use of information and sourcing and this and that. And a parent just seeing that and just thinking, oh, they're trying to get my kid to be against Newsmax. What are they doing this for? How come my kid, you know, my kid's supposed to be learning how to read and write and do their multiplication tables and what's what's going on here? So I could see that becoming a thing. I don't know if it is a thing yet, but I could definitely see that down the line for sure. Um, in terms of what to do about it, I think that goes back to the original question of like, whether or not this is even nonpartisan because it seems to be, a, we're at a point now where a great majority, now I don't know if majority is the right word, um, but a significant number of folks, both in leadership positions and just out there in the world, really don't care about the truth. What they care about is power and they will use mistruths and flat out lies and this and that in order to maintain or or grab on and, and get power in the first place. So in in dealing with media literacy as a matter of like what's truthful and what's not, I think we have to have a conversation about the fact that a lot of folks don't really care about the truthful part. They really don't care about that part because they want power. So that's a, a whole nother conversation, and we certainly aren't at a place yet, I don't think, where enough folks can um, legitimately have that conversation in, in a way that will actually show up in, in these sorts of bills and these sorts of uh, efforts to boost media literacy. So 
Yeah, that's my initial thought on it, at least. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think I agree with what, you, you know, with what you're saying there. That sounds like, um, I, you know, I, I feel like there's a high likelihood of that coming true. I also do wonder, honestly, Manuel, I am not, um, you know, I don't, as a, someone who's not a parent uh, at this point in my life, and not someone who's been an early, you know, elementary grade educator, I don't necessarily have a good sense of like what ways in which kindergartners, first graders interact with media in in the sense that I think of media as at least as like a social studies teacher. So maybe what we're right. talking about at that age is just like general media, right? Television shows and advertisements and magazines that might come to your house or something of that nature and not like news. Um, which, which I guess is where my mind right. goes, you know, more in, in the yeah. purpose of these standards is like the informational side of media that is supposed to be the like, you know, quote unquote, fourth estate and the like, you know, uh, fourth branch of government and, you know, and, and to play this important function in democracy, right? As opposed to just like a sitcom you're watching or a movie you saw or something of that nature. So maybe th maybe there's yeah. like a developmental curve or something there. I, you know, I'd be curious for some of our elementary educator audience out there who might um, listen to this episode if you have thoughts that we might be missing about um, you know about how this kind of effort and these kind of standards could actually manifest in, in you know ways that we might be missing. Please uh, share that with us online or shoot us shoot us a note um, all above show at uh, gmail.com. Um, or find us on our website aotashow.com and uh, let us know so we can we can uh, connect with that. But you know it does make me think about sort of what what problem we're trying to tackle at the at that grade you know those early grade levels versus the yeah. secondary conversation where I feel much more sort of certain about what we're talking about. Right, we're talking largely about print media, um, on, the online versions of print media, and then the like soup of social media platforms where the lines between fact and fiction, correct and incorrect, you know, are, are like gray at best. Right. Um, and the, you know, there's lines there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We're talking about Kanye and Trump and CNN and Fox news and like, Oh my God, it might be better to just turn it all off. But, uh, <laughs> read a book instead. But, um, but yeah, it's you know I I also noticed something, man. While I was, I was uh, uh, scooting through this uh, U.S. media literacy policy report uh, while you were talking, and also noticed the state of Texas. Also, I mean, red flags. Texas and media had a bipartisan bill passed in their state. But this is what's interesting too, right? So this is where we get into maybe some of the milquetoast nature of it. So Texas's law focuses on media literacy around, quote, digital uh, citizenship and digital communication. So their definition of digital citizenship is that it means the standards of appropriate, responsible, and healthy online behavior, including the ability to access, analyze, evaluate, create, and act on all forms of digital communication. So, you know, I don't, that's not a bad thing, but I think that gets more to like, how do you conduct yourself when you're on Instagram and, you know, and like less about 
what is how do you discern fact from fiction and you know truth right. truth from lies uh you know what i mean so so there's there's also like yeah. again some devil in the details here no for sure um you know it has me thinking about one of the lessons in the um the Stanford History Education Group's uh, Civic Online Reasoning, one of the lessons I've done for a few years now, and I'm pretty sure they still have this lesson up, but, you know, in any case, it asks students to go to a website. Um, it's like a go to an article. The article's on a website called minimumwage.com or something, and the article's about how um, the price of, like, a hamburger is, like, hella high in Denmark or something because they raise their minimum wage, and, you know, that's the outcome of it. And the, the basic lesson is asking students to like get to the bottom of whether or not this is a credible article, particularly a credible article about minimum wage. And long story short, um, students are introduced to this concept of like lateral reading, which is like to exit that website and see what other um, more reputable, what other established reputable sites happen to say about that particular source. So minimumwage.com and they go down to, you know, who's behind this. And it's like the Economic Policies Institute. And that website looks hella credible, all kinds of research articles and stats, all the stuff that students would be like, oh, yeah, this, you know, they know what they're talking about. This is real. But then you like open up a new tab and you search for information about who the Economic Policy Institute is. And if you, you know, if you do it right, you get to the bottom of it, which is, you know, it's a right wing, uh, right wing, you know, so-called nonprofit uh, partisan group that like specializes in, um, in this case, specializes in um fighting wage increases and it's head, head, headed up by Richard Berman, who's a um, lobbyist who has, you know, spent years fighting against wage increases. So, you know, bottom line, the article saying that minimum wage, like to increase it, it's a bad thing. You know, the person, be, the group behind that looks legitimate, but then you get behind who they are and it's clearly illegitimate. And that goes back to like, who has the patience to do that? But then in our, you know, it's, it, that's something that would be I think that particular lesson would not be controversial even in Texas. This idea of like, okay, here's an article. Let's see who's behind it and let's see who, who's behind it. That's like pretty milquetoast type, you know, standards and stuff. But our, our, our young people don't digest media in that way. Like they might come across that article for like a research paper or something. And, you know, you could teach that lesson. But, you know, kids are flipping through TikTok and they could see a 30 second TikTok where a person like walks into um, to some McDonald's in Europe and looks at the prices and they're crazy prices. Like, whoa, this is what happens when you increase minimum wage. And I can see that going viral. And, you know, the question is like, oh, did they actually walk into a legitimate place? Did they fake those numbers? Like the whole thing could be a setup. The whole thing could be fake, but it goes so fast. And young people have been trained in our um, current media environment to like want instant gratification and for things to be fast. And that's why TikTok is so successful because it's just so quick and so fast and you're just flying through it and you like lose track of time like you you'd be on it for like what feels like 10 minutes but it's 30 minutes to pass because it all just click 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 so fast so that's where i'm really concerned about whether or not media literacy standards will be enough and i just hope and i'm certainly not speaking out against this idea i just hope that folks who are working towards it and, and promoting it and and really um focusing on the importance of media literacy I just hope that they are aware that like this is not enough. It's not going to keep up. It's not enough. We need way more than just like everybody shake hands and agree that, yeah, yeah, we students should learn about who's behind information and they should learn about how to behave um, in a, you know, have maintain a civil discourse online, this and that. Like we got to get 
deeper and beyond that and ask the really critical questions about power and the ways that uh, different efforts are meant to maintain supremacy, maintain different, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know if this is making sense, but I'm just, I'm worried, Jeff. I'm worried. This is all happening so fast. Um, we got, we had conversations these past two weeks about artificial intelligence and whether or not chat uh, GPT and whether or not uh, AI generated art in this and that are going to replace writers and replace artists. Like it's all happening so fast. And I think we're scrambling to try to figure out what to do about it. And I just hope, I just hope that somehow, some way we could really address the power of big tech and really get to a place where we acknowledge that we need to do more as a society to really regulate these tech companies and pump the brakes on a lot of this technology until we can be sure that we have safeguards in place for our young people to not be negatively impacted more than they already have been. So maybe I'm just old and cranky and terrified. I don't know. <laughs> well, that... That could definitely be true. Uh, <laughs> let's keep it real. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I will say, this is one of those moments where I'm like, we need a class in school that, that does things like watch Terminator 2 and, and <laughs> talk yes. about Skynet coming The online. robots always win. <laughs> and be like, all right, where are we in this yes. timeline right now? Who is Elon Musk in this, in this movie? And, Seriously. Uh, you know, examining some of these big questions about our, you know, about the world in which we live, right? Like, is it good? I, I'm thinking also about uh, movies like Jurassic Park, right? And uh, uh, what's his name? I'm totally drawing a blank. Who's the the quirky dude who plays the mathematician in uh, in Jurassic Park? Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Um, Jeff Goldblum. Oh yeah, yeah, Jeff name? Goldblum. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So and he, he was talk, right. He talks. He was right. Yeah, he talks the to the like rich dude who built Jurassic Park, and he's like, "Yeah, you got so occupied with whether or not you could." make the dinosaurs you didn't stop to think about whether you should and i mean i'm sure it was something like that right and like i think it, how great would it be if you know it, you know this movement towards things like media literacy is sort of taking us down this road of like you know kind of um you know societal ethics or something right yeah. and like you know, the, the real challenges that we face in the world, which is not to dismiss, you know, math and science and breathing and all, you know, all the, all the good stuff. But like, you know, we're the kids of today are grappling with like, can you trust anything that, that you see? Right. What is real and not real? You know, climate change, the earth is like we're about to run out of clean water here. You know, like th these Man. like big problems. And do we need more spaces to you know to really like uh, educate kids or or at least provide the right environment in which they can think critically about what kind of world we want not only just what kind of world do we have uh, so yeah you know the fact that this is kind of a step in some way in that direction uh, you know is maybe a, a good sign yeah absolutely and i just want to be clear that i do uh, agree with what I read in this article about these uh, standards, these K-12 uh, media literacy standards, I would support a yes vote on, at least based on my understanding of it, for sure. Absolutely. I'm just worried that, like with financial literacy, it's not enough. It's it's something that makes us feel better, 
but it doesn't actually solve the overall issue here. And we are letting these these tech companies just like run rampant through our just through the foundations of damn near every institution um, that that we have here. Like, you know, I remember for years teaching students about like, well, you know, when it comes to online stuff and like whatever, whatever, like, you know, the difference between a verified source and a non-verified one. And then boom, in a flip, you know, just in a blink of an eye, a billionaire buys Twitter and just gives out verified freaking blue checks to whoever the hell is willing to pay eight bucks for him. It's just like, okay, well, there goes that. So like, it's all so, so fragile and it, it's the, the powers, it's so concentrated that it's just like, can we keep up? That's my that's my concern. Can we keep up? But so yeah. Yep. Yeah. At some some point in a future episode, we should we should have an episode about Wikipedia. Uh, yeah. Man, just <laughs> just I, wait I, to like you know. I know it's not it's not something that could just be bought by a billionaire. But what if what if a, a way is found to do that? Then what? Like I just yeah. all these things that are so important. Anyways, uh, uh, sorry, I cut you off. No, no. I, well, the reason you're making me think of it is that is the like, I feel like the pendulum has rightfully swung on Wikipedia from the in the early days. It was like you can't trust Wikipedia. Anyone can contribute to it. It's crazy. You can only trust you know the, these few narrow sources or whatever, right? If it has a right. .org, you can trust it. If it does, you know. Yeah, remember like, those days. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And <laughs> and now we've seen the manipulation of so many places, and we've actually ironically seen the, you know, like the integrity, right, <laughs> of, of something like Wikipedia, they're like, sure, I'm sure there's inaccuracies on Wikipedia, but like there's people spot checking Wikipedia. You can find the sources oh, yeah. and click through them to yeah. what's in Wikipedia, generally speaking. I mean, you know, uh, they're there. And so, you know, it's just interesting what the terrain, how the terrain of like trust what what is trust and verifiable has has shifted over the years so it'd be cool yeah. to get like an ex, an expert on that on the show yeah that no absolutely and um we'd have to do it before these robots take over jeff because it just seems <laughs> inevitable the only thing that could beat the robots uh, would be climate change it's like a race to see who destroys humanity first but certainly um we would love to have anybody on uh, with with that sort of background or expertise and also folks we uh encourage you to to chime in here um you know, I want to shout out uh, Amal on Twitter for for chiming in about our story about electronic hall passes, and um, they work at a school that apparently is adopting electronic hall passes, and uh, they sent us a a message about about the difficulty of trying to convince the staff around them of the problems here uh, with these electronic hall passes, and of course that's a story that that we um, had on all the above. Uh, a few months ago. So folks, yeah, chime in. We know, man, we know so many of you are out there in the education system or just raising your own kids and these things, these matters of uh, learning and growth and development, um, you know, they're popping up in your life in all these different ways. So definitely chime in when, um, you know, when this crosses your uh, crosses your day-to-day um, -day experience and let us know what you think and, and let us know if we're flat out wrong because I, I admit I am flat out wrong a lot of times, and maybe all this uh, technology stuff is going to save us, Jeff. Maybe this will. Maybe we'll have a breakthrough moment where we're like, you know what? We don't have to be mean to each other. I don't like mean online activity. Let's just like treat everybody like humans and with the respect and dignity that they deserve, and let's work together to make a better future. Maybe that is the the end result of all this um, 
media disinformation shenanigans, Jeff. Maybe I'm just flat out wrong in thinking that this is a crash course situation. So who knows? Who knows? Let us know what you think. Definitely chime in. Definitely chime in. Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful vision. I'm not holding my breath, but... <laughs> um, Maybe you I, should I hold your breath because well. the air is toxic. Also, Jeff, there's the toxic air that we just reported on in the last story. There's, there's yeah, yeah, all of the things. But what else we got, big, Jeff? What else we got? Big problems to fix. Well, to close this out, um, we, we saw a uh, headline um, over the last a uh, uh, little over a week ago now uh, that we did want to give a shout out to. Um, and, uh, this is, you know, something I think, especially our, uh, Gen X and, uh, Xennial generation, uh, you know, that window of folks will recognize, but, uh, we want to just mark the passing of George R. Newall, um, who was the last living, uh, creator of the noted cartoon, uh, educational television program, mini, mini series program. I don't know exactly what to call it, but Schoolhouse Rock, the great Schoolhouse Rock animated musical snippets that taught young students, viewers, things like grammar, math, civics, and science for a few moments during otherwise vacuous Saturday morning commercial programming. Um, he passed away on November 30th at a hospital uh, near his home in Hastings on Hudson, New York. Uh, he was 88 years old. And, uh, you know, I know, Manuel, we were talking before the show. Both of us were like a little bit young for the, for the you know, for the peak schoolhouse rock years right. in the 70s. Um, but I got, you know, kind of the, remember more the tail end of it in the 80s. And, uh, you know, I remember the, um, you know, I'm just a bill. Stuck on Capitol Hill, or what you know, whatever the, the yeah. exact words of that were. Sing it, Jeff. And conjunction, junction. What's your function? Um, you know, so Schoolhouse Rock made some some cool, catchy educational programming in the golden era of educational TV. I will say, because it was like you know, you had like Reading Rainbow and Schoolhouse yeah. Rock and Sesame Street and Mister Rogers and like. Man, you could watch TV for like six hours a day and come out a good person, okay, in the, <laughs> in the early 80s. I don't yeah. know if you could do that anymore. But, um, but you know, uh, props and um, respect to George Newell for his contributions to uh, America's, you know, edutainment uh, legacy in history. And um, I know for the millions of kids who, who watched Schoolhouse Rock, there was... Uh, certainly a great legacy there. So I uh, just want to give a shout out um, and happy trails to George Newall. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, also reminds me of the fact that we used to have Saturday morning cartoons on, you know, just the broadcast networks. I don't think they do that anymore. And there's so many other sources for children's entertainment now. So many, whether it be other cable channels or, you know, YouTube channels and, and all of that, that um, I wonder if that also is part of the conversation that we had earlier about media and media literacy, um, just the, the growth of the media industry and the increasing inability to really have a sense of what all kids are ingesting um, and watching and, and doing and interacting with when it comes to media. Because I feel like back in the 70s, you had a pretty good sense of like the few media sources that young people were, were um, watching. And now it's like, who the heck knows what they're scrolling through and clicking on? So there's that too. Damn, we sound old. I sound old. Whatever. <laughs> it is what it is. And this is mid-December. I am counting down. Just a couple days left to my winter break. I hope everybody out there has 
a phenomenal winter break. You're going to get a few passing periods in a row uh, because it is that time where we have our own breaks and our own vacations, our own, um, you know, step away from the education world uh, type situation. So you're going to get a couple passing periods, but we'll be back very soon with um, super dope guests um, at the start of the year, at the beginning of the year. We have a incredibly, incredibly dope guest representing all of California now as a um, state teacher of the year. And that'll, that'll come our way in the new year. But until then, folks, until then, we hope you have wonderful holidays if you have holidays to celebrate or just a wonderful end to the calendar year and a wonderful winter break and all that good stuff if you have one. Um, do know that we very much appreciate you. It's not too late for you to go to our AOTA store and uh, buy some merch for that loved one in your life or for yourself, really, to ring in the new year with, um, you know, uh, any of our our items that are there um, from supporting truthful teaching to just supporting the show and educator voice, uh, AOTAshow.com slash support is where you can find all that good stuff. And I believe that's it for today. Remember, we love y'all. It's time for you to go ahead and get to class.